Thank you for tuning in to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Who's ready for the word this morning? That was really weak. I said, who's ready for the word this morning? Open up your word with me to uh, Psalm chapter 23 today, a famous passage of scripture, Psalm chapter 23. That's where we're going. I'll be reading uh, starting in verse one right there. Psalm chapter 23 today. Psalm chapter 23. The word there says that the Lord is my shepherd. Repeat this with me. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. Say it again. The Lord is my shepherd. And he continues to write, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you today. God, I pray, Lord, that this word today just begins to take root in someone's heart and someone's life today, O oh God. God, I pray, Lord, that as this word goes forth today, outside of these walls, through uh, podcast and through live stream today. God, I pray that the words will flow through the airwaves today and touch people's hearts and minds and lives today, oh God. God, I pray, Lord, that at the end of this day, when this day is over, when the worship has ceased and when the word has ended today, I pray that you receive all honor and glory and praise for everything that happens in this place today, Lord. It's in your name. Amen and amen. We're reading from Psalm chapter 23 today. And as I was studying uh, this, this passage and looking over this message uh, this, throughout this week, I came upon a little article by Dr. Henry Cloud. He's a Christian author. He writes a lot of Christian books, a lot of kind of Christian self-help books, so to speak. And I was, I was reading a little something, and he captured a thought in one of his books titled Necessary Endings. And it was the thought that it, it's not a real revelation, but, it's, but it is a pretty powerful thought that you need to understand today. He captures the thought that entrances into new seasons must be preceded by exits from old ones. And endings are often associated with negativity. 
When we talk about ending something, we think of something a lot of times that's not as positive as we thought that it should be, whether it's ending a relationship, whether it's ending a job, or you no longer will be uh, a patron of that business. A lot of times when we're talking about ending things, it has a negative connotation to it. It has a negative feel. But uh, he goes on, the author does, to discuss that endings are not always of evil, but that endings are necessary. And it is simply the thought that you cannot say hello to new things before you say goodbye to some old things, amen? You cannot say hello to new things and new seasons until you've said goodbye to the old ones. So I want you to get this in your notes and in your mind today that the quality of your life will be guided by and your direction will be determined by and your influence will be impacted by what you are willing to to leave, what you are willing to let go of. I'm going to say that again. The quality of your life will be guided by, your direction will be determined by, and your influence will be impacted by what you are willing to leave and what you are willing to let go of. Some people put so much influence on new beginnings that they forget about the ending. But God's destiny for us is often just hinging and waiting for us to walk away from something. Isn't that somewhat of a novel idea that, that God's destiny for you could simply be waiting on you to walk away from something in your life? It is waiting for you to say goodbye to something. It's waiting for you to say, I no longer need that thing because it's hard to grab hold of new things when your hands are full of the old things. Amen? It is so hard when God is putting something in front of you to grab hold of that promise, to grab hold of that blessing that he has when you're hanging on to the old things. That is often what we see in, in religious circles in some churches today that really can't they really can't grow. They really can't bust out of, of the old things because they have such a firm grip on what was that they can't see what God really wants to do. Amen? But God speaks in Jeremiah, a famous passage of Scripture and it's probably one of the most quoted, one of the most printed verses all throughout Scripture. And it's Jeremiah 29, 11. I guarantee you if you were to walk through Hobby Lobby tomorrow, you will find about 50 of these hanging around. Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. It is plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's important to understand that although Jeremiah is speaking, it's important to note that God was speaking through Jeremiah. Although Jeremiah's mouth is moving, God is speaking through Jeremiah to get his word across to the people. So that means that God was actually speaking and he was saying, for I know the plans I have for you. For I, the Lord, I know the plans that I have for you. And these plans, guess what? They, I know them. You don't know the plans, but I know the plans. I know how to prosper you. I know how to give you a hope. I know how to give you a better future. You think 
that you know, but guess what? No, no. I know the plans that I have for you. See, this suggests that there are things that God does not intentionally let us in on. This suggests that there are things that God has somewhat hidden from us. As of several uh, weeks ago, several um, message series ago, I spoke about the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the secrets of the Spirit, and we talked about how there are things that God has hidden hidden from us. And it's not that God has it's not that God has things hidden from us, it's that God has things hidden for us. And he says, I know those things that I have for you. And but therefore, if you really listen to this, the bigger picture, the bigger thing that he's saying here, that this means that if we want to get in his plans, if we want to know what he has for us, if we want to the, get to the place where he is causing us to prosper, where he is creating our hope, where he is giving us a future, we must let go of something. And the, what we must let go of is a thing that a lot of people like to hold dear to them. It is a thing that a lot of people have a problem letting go of. And that thing that we must let go of so we can get in the middle of God's plan is control. Do we have any control freaks in the room? Don't raise your hand today. Do we have any control freaks that are watching? There is something inside of every person. There is something inside of us that we like to control. There is something inside of every person. There is something that you like to have your finger on. I don't know about you, but if you've ever worked for a micromanager, it is so miserable working for someone who has, I heard some amens out there, who, whose thumb always has to be on you. They want to know everything. They have input on everything, everything that you do. It's so hard to be creative when you're working with a micromanager. It's hard to be a leader when there's somebody telling you everything that you have to do. But it's all about control. And inside of us, inside of every person, you may not see yourself as a control freak, but there is something in your life that you like to control. And all of a sudden, in this psalm that we were reading today, we see David as he somewhat starts to catch uh, this revelation of releasing his control. And we see him somewhat having flashbacks about him releasing his control. He is, he's talking in Psalm 23 and he's, and he's speaking to the crowds. And it's like he was saying, no longer do I just see God as my ticket to heaven, but I see God as my shepherd. Amen. No longer do I see God just as one who saves my life, but I see God as the one who leads my life. Amen. I no longer just see God as one, as one who just, who just cleans up my past, but I now see him as my shepherd, the one who is guiding my future. I, I, I see God as more than just one who handles my mistakes, but now I see him as one who orders my steps. Amen. And as we see David starts to catch this revelation, we see him realize that, that, that in order for, for, for him to get where God wants and desires for him to be, he's got to let go of something, and this something is called control whenever he says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Giving up control is always difficult. It is never easy whenever you've got to give up control for something in your life. But 
Control is one of the most, giving up control is one of the most logical things that you can do for your spiritual walk. See, because if you understand what I've been saying today about control, and you understand that urge to control something in your life, and you, and you, and you understand that and you get it, you really realize that giving up control is actually an illusion. Giving up control is actually an illusion because even when we think we are in full control, we really are not in control. It's, a, it's, an, it's an illusion because when we think we've got everything under control, we, we really find that we have really a whole lot of nothing under control because I am a safe driver. I don't like to text. I don't like to do those things. I've never really had a wreck. I've only had one ticket in my life, and that was because I was in a hurry, because I had to get to David's bridal, because Sarah had a bridesmaid's dress, and I was flooring it. We had 20 minutes to get there, and I got a super speeder ticket, okay? But uh, I, I'm a safe driver. I like safe drivers. I, I don't like to be in the, uh, riding when someone's on their phone. I like safe drivers. I like I, That's something that I can control, but guess what? I can't control how other people drive, amen? I can't control who else is speeding, I cannot control if, if someone gets behind the wheel that's intoxicated and hits my car. I can't control that. I can't control if I were to get a new vehicle and park at the end of the parking lot so no one, so no one parks next to me and that one annoying person finds that spot and parks next to me and dings my door, I can't control that. I can control where I park, but I can't control everybody else. I can control if I want to buy a home. I can control what type of offer I put into that home, but guess what? I cannot control if the owner will accept my offer. I can, students who are out here today, guess what? You can control how how much you study. You can control your grades, but guess what? You may not be able to control if you get into that college or if you get that scholarship. There are some things that, that we just can't control. So in other words, we contribute, but we do not control. We influence, but we do not determine outcomes. Control is an illusion that the devil wants you to buy into. Control is an illusion that the devil wants you to buy into. He he wants, you, he wants you to have more stock in the control that you have than you do in God's control. And when we start to manipulate situations, when we start manipulating outcomes, or in other words, when we start taking control of situations, we end up bearing the weight of something that we were never intended to bear. We start bearing the weight that we were never intended to bear you actually start bearing God weight. God weight. Weight that was intended for the Lord to carry for you. When you start controlling situations and not let God have control, you start bearing God weight. You start, you start uh, putting, um, we start putting ourselves in control and we are bearing the weight that God was trying to carry for us. We start bearing the weight, the, the weight that God sent his son on the cross to die for you. That weight that he, that, that, that weight that he sent his son for you. We start bearing the weight of Jesus Christ whenever he he got out of the tomb. He got the weight from us. But whenever we start controlling, we take that weight back and all of a sudden we start bearing that weight. God is a, God is a control is a God weight that you were never intended to bear. Do you want to know why so many of us have anxiety? 
Do you want to know why so many people have fear, why so many people are frustrated? It's because we are taking control of everything that God did not intend for us to control. Amen? Control. Control is a God weight that you were never intended to bear. Only God has the shoulders to bear the weight of this world. Only God has the shoulders to, 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 to bear the weight of complete control. To control outcomes. Only God. Only God can speak to winds and waves and cause them to cease. Only God. Only God can bear that God weight. And we've got to understand this simple principle this morning because when we get it, we realize that so much of our anxiety and fears and frustration comes when we start bearing a God weight, a weight that was never meant for our shoulders, weight that was never meant for our minds, weight that was never meant for our marriage, weight that was never meant for our jobs. We control our decisions. God controls our outcomes. You control your decisions. God will control your outcome. But in life, we have reversed these. Why? Because we want God to control the decisions. God, just tell me what it is. God, tell me what it is. And then we want to control the outcome. I want it that way. I want it to look like that. But no, 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 you got to understand. We control decisions. God controls the outcome. And when I'm looking here in Psalm uh, 23, what is so amazing about this is, not, not, it's not amazing because who wrote it, David. Not just, what, not just what he says, but what makes it so amazing in this context that I was reading it from is when he says this. The psalm is said to be written after David is king. He did not write this when he was sitting in the field as a shepherd boy. But David all of a sudden comes to the realization that the Lord is my shepherd when he starts gaining the control of a king. When he gets in control of an entire nation, David comes to this realization. So now King David has a moment to reflect of when he was a shepherd boy watching his father's sheep. And he makes like this statement here, as, as, in, as I was to the sheep, God is to me. The way that I protected those sheep from the wolves, God will do the same for me because the Lord is my shepherd. The way that I led those sheep from pasture to pasture, from location to location, from glory to glory that we've been singing about this morning, guess what? The Lord is my shepherd and God is doing that for me. As I was to those sheep, God is that same to me because the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, the Lord, whenever you look up the word, the Lord, Jehovah means the Lord. Jehovah is my shepherd. Do you want to know something that is so special about the word Jehovah is, is that Jehovah is the name of covenant. 
Jehovah is the name of covenant. You need to get this today. Jehovah is the name of covenant. In other words, what this means is whatever you need after, just enter it after the name Jehovah. And it said, it means that I will covenant with you in that area. We see Abraham, uh, he needed Jehovah Jireh. Jireh, that's what he needed. He needed a Jireh moment. And guess what the Lord says? I was that for him because I provided a ram in the thicket. Gideon needed Jehovah Shalom. He needed some peace. And guess what? The Lord was like, I can be that for you. Whatever you need me to be like Jehovah told Moses, guess what? I am that I am. Whatever you need, I am the Lord. Just just, just, just lose control. Just, just give it to me. Enter into covenant with me. That's what I am for you. Let me have control over that. It's like we see David here asking, reliving his life, having flashbacks. The Lord is my shepherd. How did I get here? How did I get from being a shepherd boy? How did I get from walking among the sheep? How did I get here? Now I was in the fields. Now I'm in the palace. How did all of this work out for me? How did I get from A to B? It's like there is someone who knows things that I don't know. The Lord is my shepherd. It's like no strategic plan, no five-year plan could get me from there to here. It's like there was someone that was fighting for me. The Lord is my shepherd. He just looks at where he was and looks at where he is now. And he just says, the Lord is my shepherd. How did I get to be king when my father Jesse didn't even call me by name? How could I be king when my father Jesse put all seven of my brothers in front of Samuel to be king. How could this happen to me? How could this happen when my father wanted all of my brothers to be king, but he never even spoke my name? How could this happen when Samuel said, do you have another son? And Jesse replied, yes, I have one more, but he's in the field. I I really don't know if you want him. How could this happen? It happens because the Lord is my shepherd. How could it happen that Samuel sent out for me And whenever I came walking in the door, Samuel saw potential. Samuel saw something. How could this happen that Samuel had the ram's horn and it was full of oil? It was a ceremonious moment and it was filled with oil. And whenever I, David, came walking forth, the oil started flowing. How could this happen? Because the Lord is my shepherd. And as I was studying this verse, I came across some interesting dialogues among some common and theologians, it said that it was very common that whenever someone was anointed king, that that, that they, they would have the ram's horn, as we're talking about right here, and they would put oil in that horn But guess what? They would walk up to people and they would pour it out on them. And if the oil did not come out, it was simply a sign that said, that's not the king. And they were were really suggesting that Samuel actually went to the seven other brothers first and and they tilted over the horn, but the oil did not come. So it was a sign. The oil was not flowing. But when David got there, all of a sudden, the oil started flowing free 
freely. Get this. Seven people got to the ram's horn before David. Seven people wanted the oil before David even knew about the oil. Seven people wanted the anointing before David got it. But the oil did not move. But when David got there, the oil started moving. Seven people got there first, but it did not move. Jesse wanted to control the situation. Jesse wanted control of it. This is who you want, Lord. These are the seven that I choose. Guess what? Jesse was a micromanager. Jesse wanted to control the situation, but guess what? Under Jesse's control, the oil could not move. Do you see what God is saying right here in this verse and in this passage? See, when God has something reserved for you and for me, it does not matter who gets there first. Amen? They can apply for the job first. They can put the offer in on the home first. But guess what? When he's got something reserved for you and for me, it does not matter who gets there first. It's all about when you're willing to give up control so the oil can move on your life. The oil isn't going to flow on you until you get the spirit of control out of you. The oil isn't going to flow on you until you get the spirit of control out of you. And all of a sudden, we see right here as Father Jesse being a control freak, he starts to lose control. And as soon as he loses control, guess what? A king is born. Wow. As soon as the micromanaging stops, as soon as Jesse says, I've done all I can do. As soon as Jesse gets out of the picture, as soon as Jesse loses control, the oil starts to flow and a new king comes up. Listen to this. The generation before you had to lose control so the next generation's king could rise up. There always has to be the generation before that lays a firm foundation. They lay it firm full of theology. They lay it firm full of truth. They lay it firm with worship and praise. But it gets to a point when the generation before says we've done all we can do. Now we have to step back and let God get a new king in here. And this is where a lot of churches can't, can't, can't get past. It's a religious spirit because, because they realize or they think in their minds it's, it's got to be like it always was. There's nothing I hate more than a leader than to hear, well that's the way that it always was. That's the way that it always is. So we got to keep it that way. We can't change it. You know, sister so and so, she bought this a thousand years ago. We can't take it out of here. If we remove it, the spirit can't flow. It's the same spirit that we see Jesse flowing in here. And guess what? He's like, it took the generation before to get out of the way so a new oil could flow on the next generation. Do you hear what I'm saying today? i got a question for you. Could there be a king in your house and you not even know it? Jesse didn't know the king was in his house. Could there be something in your house that God is trying to release? He's just waiting on you to lose control. Could there be a fire shut up in your bones that you've never felt? 
Could there be ministry waiting to be released and you not even know it? Could there be something, a vision that is waiting to be birthed inside of you, but you don't even know it? Could there be greater plans waiting to be exposed, but you have no idea? You thought that it was great as it could be, but could it be heavenly? Could there be heavenly opportunity just waiting for you and you not even know it? Could there be a king in your own house and you not even know it? And the answer to all of these questions is yes. The reveal is just waiting for you to lose control and let God be your shepherd. When I tell you to lose control, some of you, your blood pressure starts to rise. Okay, oh, I don't know about that. I can't, I can't take my hands off of that. I can't give that to the Lord. I don't know what I can do. I can't, I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't give that to the Lord. Let me tell you something. So much of our anxiety comes because we've got to control. And I want to tell you something. Guess what? The Lord can do more with your kids than you could ever do yourself. The Lord can. The Lord can do more for your job than you ever could do. The Lord can do more in 30 seconds than I can do in a year when you just step back and say, Lord, it's yours. Losing control. Why? Because when God has something reserved for you and me, it doesn't matter who gets there first. It's all about who loses control. See, you thought losing control was a bad thing. Whenever you say, I'm about to lose control, it sounds like a bad thing. I told first service, I almost lost control Friday. I almost lost my mind in CVS on Friday. And I was so glad I had a mask on to protect my lips so nothing could come out of my mouth. I was waiting on a prescription, and that one poor girl, she had a really bad attitude, and she caught me at a really bad moment, and everybody in CVS had a really bad attitude that day, and they were really slow that day, and she said one smart thing to me, and I just looked up. I said, if you don't have a place to go to church on Sunday, I'd love to have you at Legacy Church. Just let us know when you come. I hope you have a great day. And I almost lost my control. Because sometimes we think losing control in the physical, we, we, think, we think that it's a bad thing. But you've got to understand, when you lose control in the physical, it's like it's, you feel like you like you're losing your mind. But guess what? When you lose control in the spiritual, you're actually getting a peace in your mind. See, whenever you lose control in the physical, you feel like you're boxing yourself in. But when you lose control in the spiritual, you actually get a freedom like you've never experienced. And you are reminded that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And whenever you lose control, there is a freedom like you've never experienced. Think about David. We're talking about David. We, I, I think one of the songs that we were singing, I don't know who wrote it, but I think they actually wrote it with David. About, I'll dance in your presence. David lost control. 
He started dancing just out of control. And they they said, what's wrong with you? And he said, if you thought that was undignified, you just watch till I cut this next rug. And he just began to dance. Why? Because he lost control. He didn't care about it, but he saw a breakthrough when he lost control. You see losing control as a negative. God sees it as a positive. Man, help me out today. You see losing control as a negative. God sees it as a positive because he understands that there is something inside of you that is waiting to come out. It's waiting to be unlocked. It's just waiting for you to lose control. Could it be that we mess with, if you will, so many things that God has for us over a little bit of control? Could it be that God has already answered the prayer? He's just waiting for you to lose that control. Wow. Could it be the answer has already been written before us? He's just waiting for you to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Guide me, Lord. Lead me, Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I'll give you everything, Lord. Control, it's yours. Control me, Lord. Lead me, guide me, Lord, just like a shepherd would. God, the Lord is my shepherd. I can lay down in green pastures in the middle of this COVID season. Why? Because I'm not in control. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I can walk through valleys of death. Why? Because I'm not in control. But the Lord is my shepherd. I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm not in control. But the Lord is my shepherd. I can eat a T-bone steak in the middle of, right in front of my enemies. Why? Because I'm not in control of the middle of this. But the Lord The Lord is my shepherd. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. And guess what? I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Why? Because I'm not in control, but the Lord is my shepherd. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Church podcast. For more information, visit LegacyChurchRome.org.